0: The trend we are seeing is that a young person will not only experience different jobs, but they're going to potentially experience different careers, right? because we can't predict what kind of jobs or industries will exist even five years down the line. Um, So to me, that's incredibly exciting, but also incredibly nerve-wracking.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back. So, I am so, so excited to say that today we're joined by the absolutely incredible Diana Baranga, CEO of Upstart Ed, which is a Canadian education non for profit. So, they teach students how to be social innovators and give them the key skills that schools are neglecting, yet are absolutely essential to succeed with the demands of the future. We're actually splitting our discussion into two parts. So, the second one will focus more on the logistics of setting up a nonprofit yourself, and Deanna will give her top tips and advice for that. But for today, we're discussing how Upstart Ed is changing the game for traditional education and creating future leaders and problem solvers. So, without further ado, let's jump into it.
0: my mind I thought I really wanted to work for the UN and I knew I wanted to make some sort of difference in the world and the only avenue that I I I knew of was the kind of like NGO approach and so I spent three years a lot of money as an international kid to go through the program and in my last year of university I discovered the startup scene here in Montreal I didn't know what startups were I had no idea what like mobile technology was. I didn't know how websites work, and I didn't know what the um, what's it called. Anyway, there were there were a lot of terms that I, I attended an event and there are a lot of terms. Throughout. It explains like, it though, right? There's a lot. Yeah, I was like <laughs> I know nothing. But it was a group of people who were really excited about about building the future, and they had this tool, technology, to do it. And that was very like. I don't know. It it definitely was a life changing experience because in spite of my very privileged upbringing later in life and the education that I had access to, I finished one of the best universities in North America. That being McGill University.
1: And by the way, you are going to hear this voice from time to time, just to clarify some
0: things and also to celebrate the beauty of editing. Yay. Moving along. I finished one of the best universities in North America, not really knowing what was going on in the world around me not having the awareness um the skill set the mindset forget about the mindset to succeed in the workforce so just like the majority of students today i graduated with a diploma uh but saying that i was ready to step into the workforce was like that wasn't that wasn't necessarily the case at all mm-hmm and it's it's upsetting to see that that's a common thing that
1: for me it personally is. as well, um, even though, you know, like we studied at very different times, it's still that we leave just being a bit clueless, but that being the norm as in, oh, you'll, you'll pick it up afterwards. But in this system, I, I find it very um, just confusing because it's like the pinnacle point at which you're you know, a great place to learn everything and really step into the world as it is. Mm -hmm. And it's just quite crazy to see that. But in terms of because you did mention stepping into the real world and the future and all of that and preparing ourselves for it, I did see on your website as well that it said preparing students for the future. But what is the future? What does that look like? And, And what are those mindsets and skills that are important
0: for it? hmm That's a really great question. I, I, for me, the, my perception and that of my colleagues at Amsterdam is the future is unknown, and the future is coming fast, and things are changing at such a high speed, right? Look, in 2020 alone, we started off, and there were, you know, the fires in Australia, and then by March, we had COVID, and by May, we had this huge social movement around Black Lives Matter, and we had the, the discussions around climate change, and I think more so than ever, we are confronted with these critical societal and environmental challenges. And more so than before, I believe it's the responsibility of every single person in society to play an active role. And we're seeing that the new generation, Gen Z in particular, they're a lot more involved than even my generation or, you know, my parents. Um, So I I believe that the future, it's, it's... It's a place where you will have to constantly reinvent yourself and you know our parents they studied in one particular domain um, maybe had the same job for the majority of their lives for my generation it's been normal to have multiple jobs in the same domain but the trend we are seeing is that a young person will not only experience different jobs but they're going to potentially experience different careers right because we can't predict what kind of jobs or industries will exist even
1: five years down the line. And to iterate that point in Sal Khan's book One World Schoolhouse a study he referenced said that 65 percent of children starting grade school or starting prep will have jobs that don't even exist yet and that study was done in 2011.
0: So to me that's incredibly exciting but it also incredibly nerve-wracking because the way we're built biologically as as humans is we need to find that a balance and a place where we're comfortable. But the future will require us, and the present in fact, requires us to constantly um, reinvent ourselves, constantly step outside of our comfort zones, and to have a certain degree of stress tolerance, you know? Oh, no stress. (laughs) It's true though, because we
1: actively avoid those uncomfortable feelings. Um and reinventing the same as adapting ourselves to new environments, because like you said before, things like climate change, things like unforeseen circumstances that we just aren't. If you were wondering, yes. I was very, very close to saying unforeseen circumstances that are unforeseen. Unforeseen circumstances that we just aren't used to and that we have to think on the spot, that is a skill in itself. Yeah, thinking on the spot and thinking of solutions um, amongst chaos or amongst problems. And so with Upstart Ed, how are you actually trying to teach that to students? How is, how is it done in an effective way where you can actually see change?
0: That's a great question. And it's something I'm, uh, I'm very passionate about and kind of always tinkering with. To say that Upstarted alone prepares students for the future is a gross, like, overstatement. And Upstarted by itself cannot achieve that. But one way in which we approach the problem is by focusing a lot on project-based learning and putting students in a context where they're already starting to question, what are my personal values? What are the things that I care about? what kind of impact do I want to see in the world? And look, it doesn't have to be at the world scale. So a few or a year ago before the pandemic hit, our approach to um, building these skills and mindsets in students was to have um, kind of an event based, event based approach. So we had a two and a half day boot camp. Students would join us, um, an event where they had to identify certain challenges, they had to apply design thinking.
1: So I actually went through most of the interview not knowing what design thinking was, and every time Diana would bring it up, I would just nod politely and and go mm-hmm mm-hmm mm-hmm, not wanting to interrupt her. <laughs> but in the end, I said, "No, Joe, you got to do it." And I asked Diana, "What is design thinking?"
0: And this is what she said: "It is a problem-solving approach that focuses a lot on um, really understanding the needs of the person you're trying to serve." And so you don't have to be a designer to apply design thinking. It's all about talking to the person you're trying to serve, really understanding that problem, presenting them with an idea, getting that feedback, and then iterating that idea. Mm -hmm. So um, it's something that is very common in the corporate setting, the startup world. Uh, A lot of companies apply the design thinking approach to to build products that really solve their, the users needs but it's also a wonderful approach for educators for example if you want to develop a new course and you just you can't come up with it then, you know you want to teach certain concepts have a conversation with your students and ask them really you know what what are the gaps that they're experiencing what kind of educational journey would be interested for them build something you know test it out be okay with it not really working the first year or first semester and adapting it—that's really design thinking mindset. And there are a lot of free courses online. IBM offers one. Um, uh, so does IDEO. They have some videos on the design thinking process. But um, yeah, it's it, it can definitely be applied in all contexts. Even there's a book I love. I forget the authors, but it's called um, "Designing Your Life," and it's a process whereby you evaluate where you are now. Um, and try to imagine possible futures for your life and career. So, yes, everybody Amazing. listening, if haven't heard of uh, heard of it before, definitely check it out.
1: Anyway, that was a huge tangent. Now back to how Upstart Ed gets students to apply design thinking in their
0: programs. They had to apply design thinking and then pitch an idea, work in groups, and then from that pool of students, we would launch a four and a half month accelerator program. So they really went through the process of, okay, this is the problem that I want to solve um, and this is the idea that I want to build. So now I'm going to go and meet the right kind of people, um, grow my network, develop those skills and actually launch the solution. So to clarify
1: what you mean by that, so first the students will start with knowing themselves more, knowing their values, knowing um, what their priorities are and what they want to see change in the world. And then from that, working together with Upstart Ed and coming up with uh, a a live, what's the word? Like a a a viable, a viable product, an MVP. So MVP, unfortunately not what most people are thinking, which is most valuable player. However, minimum viable product. This is essentially a product with enough features to attract customers and help them and also to grow and scale. MVP a product that can actually scale and actually help people, uh, whether it be a long term or big impact. And then having is it coaching and mentoring throughout that to then actually be able to create what they've imagined in their heads?
0: It is. It is a lot of coaching and hands on work with the student themselves. Um, a lot of self-paced education. But you know, Joe, something I wanted to share with you is out of everything that we've done, the most actually effective program has been Youth Explore, the one that I spoke to you before the podcast, um, in which we focus on just helping young people realize that they can make a difference too. Mm -hmm. So what we see, at least in Canada, the event format, the Boot Camp and Accelerator I had mentioned to you, ultimately, the young people who showed up are the ones or were the ones who had some sort of inclination towards entrepreneurship or had a certain degree of self-confidence and self-awareness but our mission is to serve people like you and i who personally i'm more of an introvert and even at a young, i've never really seen myself as an entrepreneur i stumbled into this by mistake i wish i had had the opportunity to reflect on my strengths and the things that i cared about when i was younger and had been presented a vehicle for making that change and so the most effective program has been the one where um, it's a lot more of an introduction to social innovation. Uh, it's over nine weeks, and students just really get the time to unpack who they are, what are their limiting self-beliefs, do they care about serving uh, challenges at a global scale, or something that really focuses in on, on their families and their immediate community. And I think it's really important. Those are the skills we need to be building in young people.
1: I also asked Yana to explain more about the Youth Explore program, which essentially brings in resources and modules straight into the classroom and the teachers. So essentially to help them blend this information into the normal school
0: curriculum and into the class. The Youth Explore program has kids answering three key questions. Who am I? What impact do I want to make? How do I get started making an impact? And so for that first module, it's all about social emotional learning. Starting with the self. Um, And then the second module is more about let me look around my community, the world around me. What are some things that resonate me based on the things I care about, based on my values, based on my family's history? And then the last module is okay, now that I kind of identify something that matters to me today, how do I get started solving that problem? So it's more of the design thinking and thinking about technology. I see. And that could be applied to. So say if I'm in a
1: geography class or I'm in maths class or I'm in any class, as long as a teacher's happy with it, they can they basically incorporate that into whatever
0: curriculum it is? Yes, that's what they have been doing. And so because the program itself, it takes about one hour per week in terms of student learning. Um And so the teacher sometimes will say, you know what, today we're talking about sustainability. So in the context of sustainability, we're going to be working on on chapters three and four from module two, where we talk, for example, about the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So essentially, the different modules can be weaved into the existing curriculum. And the idea is to enrich what already exists, because going back to oh, let's, you know, lobby and have the curriculum changed overnight. And, you know, some, some countries in particular are doing a good job in terms of keeping the curriculum updated. Um, and even here in Canada, there's focus on entrepreneurship and, and, you know, digital skills. But ultimately, sometimes it just doesn't evolve fast enough, most of the time, to reflect the realities of the, the workforce, right? And even just yeah. the current state of the world some of these things that or the things that we're teaching the emphasis on social emotional skills problem solving entrepreneurship um, digital literacy these are things that have yet to be implemented in a cross-curricular way so part of our approach is also to help teachers kind of see the potential of you know that cross-curricular project-based learning Mm -hmm. and so in a way where offering these resources so that it's easier for them to, you know, to come on board. And um, by participating in the program, we're hoping teachers are learning new skill sets and they can take these resources. And they're kind of doing professional development in a sneakier
1: way. So now we're going to change course and talk more about equality and educational
0: privilege. We're hoping to affect change by empowering young people to understand that there is a place for all of them at the table, and that there there are many different ways of making an impact. And it's something that's very dear to my heart, because I actually started a podcast series a few months ago as well. And one of the guests said to me, the fact that you were able to even launch Upstart Ed is a privilege. Mm -hmm. And that was really eye opening for me, uh, especially in the ways that I teach young people because it is true. I was very lucky in the end, well, lucky, you know, thanks to my parents and their hard work and whatnot to have landed a good job in my twenties that allowed me to put aside enough savings to then invest towards this mission that I'm passionate about. But it's because I don't have kids. I don't have to, you know, support my parents. I, I'm i very privileged in that sense. And not everyone has that privilege, although everybody should. And so when it comes to upstart ed and empowering youth, we want to keep that context in mind. And we want to make sure that it's about giving people permission and helping young people understand that, again, you don't have to be the Bill Gates. You don't have to, like, there are concrete ways for you to bring value to your community because you have value. Um, And then, of course, it's about being connected to the resources that you need to be empowered. So. I think it's so important to be thinking about, um, or in working with schools that are underfunded, that are serving visible minorities and marginalized communities um, here in Canada, that are serving the recent immigrant community, because at the end of the day, the way to build a country's economy is not by just depending on the brilliant two percent;
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's by empowering, you know, the the entire population. So. That's why education is so close to my heart. And uh, I think the approach has to be on systemic change. And so even for us, when we were doing those events, they're awesome. And for sure, they brought back the kids who were there. But at the end of the day, you need know, to kind of sit back and think, um, in what way am I really moving the dial? Mm-hmm. So,
1: What was- impact are you making? What real change are you creating Yeah, for the people who need it most? That's exactly for the people who need it most. And um, with going back to that example that you gave with the sustainability, I just, I love it because now I'm imagining that finally the content that you're learning is supplementing like an idea that you may have, like a project and to really be like, okay, we're learning about sustainability today. It's not just going to be part of a test, but let me critically think about this content from a different perspective now, from a creation standpoint instead of just memorise, (laughs) memorise, memorise, which is what I do so well. (laughs) And it's incredible because I love this practical learning and this um, real-life future thinking that we did mention before. I did just want to touch on the idea of pedagogy and the idea of psychology because you did mention that in the website uh, that that you use latest pedagogy principles and so I'm really curious to know how do students learn best how how
0: how do we teach best as well you know that's a very complex question and I will give a full disclosure I do not have any particular um, like uh, you know formal degrees in this I am a soft uh, self-taught learning experience designer and i am myself learning by developing these experiences putting them out into the field and then getting that feedback from students and educators and so i can only share what i have experienced and you know maybe that's helpful for for your listeners for your audience i would say one of the the key things is different students learn in very different ways and right now at least with our uh, project-based learning approach, we are creating an environment where students learn how to learn. And I've seen it, I've seen it time and time again. I mean, some kids, maybe they're not able to regurgitate that information, but they're amazing problem solvers, or they're very creative. And one of the ways in which we found works for us at Upstart Ed is, as much as possible, getting students to work in teams, right? Because, when you're young or when I was in school, I was taught, look, you have to get great, perfect grades everywhere. And you have to be a well-rounded student, which means you have to be perfect at everything. But the truth is, you know, there are some things we're better at and some things we're not as good at. And that's okay. Right? Like, and so in that classroom setting, having uh, students work in teams on different projects allows their, you know, different skills and competencies and strengths to come out and everybody's skills are valued because you're working together as a team. Deanna mentioned
1: afterwards the idea of actually building the skill of teamwork in the first place and not just chucking people into teams and hoping for the best. So thank God for editing. Here we go.
0: So I forgot to mention that, in fact, it's about before even putting them in a team, it's taking the time for every child to understand what are their strengths what are their weaknesses and how can they work with other people like building, you know, like the fundamental skills of teamwork before you bunch them together? Mm-hmm. And once you put them in that context, then you start seeing the magic. So oh, as in giving as in teaching them teamwork skills and then getting them in teams. Yes teaching them teamwork uh, skills, teaching them. So even there's something that we use it upstart. It comes from improv and it's called uh, the yes and mindset. Uh, so yeah. typically, not, yeah, if you're talking to a person, they're like, um, uh, yes, but uh, blah, 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 my idea is better because, okay, fine. But it, yes, and it's about building on each other's ideas. So before you put them in that team, it's about teaching them also the social norms of teamwork, you know, it's not easy. It's not. And again, this is why that is also important to learn in school, because then guess what? You go on to uni, teamwork. You get on to the workforce, teamwork. Like everything you do nowadays, most of it is working with other people. So you need to be open to feedback. You need to let go of this idea that you're the only one that has that brilliant idea. And even for me, in the context of my team, or even in the context of the students that we coach, the best ideas come from collaborative teams because the most innovative ideas um, approach problems from different perspectives. And so that's why design thinking even as a practice is valuable because it's not just you by yourself in a corner coming up with solutions. It's to say, you know, how could we, and I love this challenge we give to students is, how can we design a better way for a person to cross a bridge or to get from, you know, from like, from A to B, you know, and then design a solution. Some person, one person's going to design a bridge, another person, maybe they're going to design some sort of like parachute thingy, Bob. another person's going to, yeah. I don't know. But ultimately, imagine taking all of those things, putting them together into really a novel solution. So that's why the concept of, again, project-based learning, working in teams is so valuable. And uh, even at Upstart, I don't we really have a disagreement. It's about re- reminding ourselves that we want the same end outcome. And so you, you're you able to let go of the individual ego and come to a point where you're co-creating with others to develop a better solution. Mm-hmm. You know, just imagine if we had students working together based on, um, yeah, the things that they really care about and knowing the kinds of people they liked working with. Although you can't always decide who you work with, it's really important to know the kind of environment and the kind of people you like collaborating with. Mm-hmm. So I think if we could incorporate maybe a couple more steps before just throwing kids into teams, like that self-reflection, um, teaching them the behaviors of successful teamwork, we would probably see more successful teams. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like,
1: I wish. I wish we had, like, upstarted teaching us teamwork in school because I would have been like, finally, <laughs> finally we know. Like, we just have to jump into it. It's like learning how to phone someone, like, make phone calls. That stuff, no one teaches you. You just go, I would like to book an appointment. So now digressing from my anxiety, let's see how Upstart Ed reframes the idea of failure.
0: The other piece of our approach at Upstart Ed is having the opportunity to try again and to iterate and to just be comfortable with this concept of failure. Um, less so in the Youth Explorer program. It's, it's just, that's a different approach. It's a lot a lot more about introspection, um, reflection those are really the critical skills we're teaching in the context of a boot camp or especially our accelerator program what we have students doing for example is every few weeks they have to present their projects and so they present as far as they've gotten and then we bring in a community to give them feedback and so they go back to the drawing board and they come and present again and they go to the drawing board and they come to, and come and present again and so that is very different from what unfortunately happens in school where one test, one grade, and that grade defines you. And very seldom, if ever, do you have the chance to go back and understand what didn't work, how can I improve, and apply again. Uh, that
1: is the bane of everyone's existence, I swear. I think it really leads to that idea of perfectionism because you really need to get it right in one go, because technically, yes, in a curriculum, you rarely have chances to redo that and really show that you can master um, a a situation. Oh, Diana, you would love this uh, Mm -hmm. TED talk by Sal Khan, the Khan Academy. Uh, Mm -hmm. He he talks about mastery-based learning and how he sees so many students who believe that they're not capable or believe that they're dumb because they can't get this complex topic but he says that it all stems from a shaky foundation because they could never revisit the thing that they don't understand for example if they don't understand basic addition they can't then do more complex things like algebra because their foundations are shaky and so Mm -hmm. his uh, motto and his vision is to see students redoing and redoing and redoing until they master it so that they really conceptualize and really understand and unpack that topic whatever it is
0: absolutely and we've seen it like we've seen that happen students will come back to us saying i'm not terrified of these presentations anymore because i realized the purpose is help me improve and to and so even after our program ended we still had students emailing us saying hey you know i've continued work on the project and can i get feedback and so when this process becomes it's more about the feedback and you know like going back and tinkering with it and coming back like it just it's not about did i do well or did i do poorly it's where can i improve where can i get even better and I love that mentality it's also why i really appreciate design thinking and why i'm such a strong proponent for it inside the classroom um because it really aligns with this mentality of it's just about solving a problem and you're not maybe you're not going to have the perfect idea from day one in fact you will never have the perfect idea um especially if you're trying to create a solution for a human being because humans are always changing their needs are always changing it's about having the commitment to Build something, test it, get feedback, try again, and do it again and again and again. And life is like that because you, you do it for other people, but also for yourself, right? Like in my 20s, I've already had the three, four jobs. I don't know, but every job, like at every point, it felt like a failure, but it was about stopping learning and saying, what does this teach me? Where do I go next? And so you can use it in the context of your own life, in the context of learning, in the context of building a company, creating a podcast. And um, I really wish that we had we would we would place more emphasis of that on that in school because, to be honest, in the context of our current world, um, there's no way we're going to get things right the first time around. You have to go through that journey. Yeah, and that's.
1: 100% the growth mindset that you're talking about it's Carol Dweck's work is absolutely incredible just because it's flagging that by having growth mindset you're not focusing at least you you don't have a negative view on failure it's actually a mm-hmm. way to support you like you were saying it's something that you need in order to grow and mm-hmm. i have seen so many times in the classroom where students say oh miss i am so dumb and i'm like but because they take the idea that they don't get a concept very quickly. It's very interesting in classroom pace is something that determines smartness as opposed to mastery. And so yeah. there's a misconception between, Oh, well, I'm done because I can't get this straight away. Therefore it's a failure, but being able to, on the flip side, think it's just, I don't have this yet. I, I just need to improve more. I need to do a reflection. What don't I understand? And then, move on from there. And that's exactly what I believe that Opsat is helping achieve as well. It's true. And
0: also knowing how you learn best, because I mean, you know, it's just the way that that yeah, that you learn. Um we I've seen some students speaking about pace. It's not that they're not quick. It's just they understand um, maybe they're more visual learners. So you know what? I'm gonna draw it out for you as opposed to just reading texts on paper or other people are about, look, I need to crunch the numbers because if I don't crunch the numbers, I don't understand this big thing that you're, you know, you're presenting this budget or so it's about understanding how to do different kids learn best. Um, and that's why I said that even in the context of Upstarted, Ed, the project-based learning and, you know, the iterative approach, they're, they're pieces of the puzzle, I believe. Um, but I, I would love to see how we can further personalize the programs that we're, we're teaching, because there's a lot to be said about that. And I know that only maybe, you know, when we start inter- leveraging AI in a sense to personalize learning, can we get closer to, to um, meeting the needs of every learner. But in any case, being inside a classroom where you're being lectured and just trying to grasp onto that information, it doesn't serve you in the short term, definitely not in the long term. So that is one teaching approach that we should try to sunset globally. Um, It's just getting there is a little bit more complex given, you know, the resources that we see in different countries. Here in Canada, there's a lot of emphasis now on teacher training, teacher development. But the reality is that teachers don't necessarily have a lot of time, right? They're overwhelmed. They're trying to keep up with curriculum. And then you're also asking them to reinvent the way they teach. It's a lot. So that's why it's so important to have organizations like Upstart Ed, but a collection of nonprofits and, and more of the systemic approach where we're looking at how can we support educators and schools um, to adapt? Because it's, it's tough putting the full onus on them, I believe. I am just very happy hearing
1: that. Everything <laughs> that you're saying now is just, we need it. We need this change. And I'm just so glad to see that your work and other people's work who are trying to achieve a, an effective educational system that's actually preparing us for, you know, like adapting to new challenges and everything that that mm-hmm. is happening. And thank you so much for that. <laughs> and so where where can people find Upstart Eds and um, the work and the workshops that you're offering?
0: Yeah, so it's uh, www.upstarted.org. We are a Canadian nonprofit, but we're hoping to go global. So if you have any international teachers uh, listening in who are equally passionate about this work, a lot of our workshops and resources are open source. And so I'd be happy to engage because I think this is a global conversation and, and requires different perspectives. At the end of the day, what works in Canada may not work in places like you know australia um, so it's always fascinating to understand how different countries and teachers are approaching this this question
1: mm-hmm.
0: amazing <laughs> so that's part
1: one of our conversation with the incredible diana Part two is where we jump into the nitty-gritty behind how to actually start a non-for-profit and all the things that Deanna wished she knew before starting. So if you love this conversation, please reach out to us, either Upstart Ed or Ready to Redo, because of course we would love to hear from you. See you next week.